spend more time Where rules are not allowed I wanna find myself Lost in the crowd I wanna travel past the boundaries So far they disappear Out here just the two of us I make friends with my fear Welcome to another episode of Leading With Your Gut. I'm your host, Jenna Renee Shellman. Leading With Your Gut is a podcast series featuring daring individuals from around the world who share stories and topics about embracing their fears and having the courage to make intuitive gut decisions. The purpose of this podcast is to empower and inspire you to follow your intuition, trust in yourself, and have the strength to own your story. You will hear from courageous people who defy societal expectations combat their inner negative thoughts, and use their gut to help guide them through life. The guests on this podcast are not perfect and neither am I. Leading with your gut embraces authenticity, vulnerability, and the audacity to be truly seen. I think it's wise to use research, data, and your network or past experiences to help drive a major decision. However, it's important to recognize when analysis paralysis takes over and disables your ability to have the confidence to make authentic decisions. By maintaining a strong connection with your intuition, you can only gain an advantage yourself. After the show, please visit my website, leadingwithyourgut.com, to learn about my coaching and consulting business. Leading With Your Gut Coaching and Consulting is smart coaching for go-getters who want to boost their confidence, pivot from burnout, and live a purpose-driven life, all while honing into their intuition. Right now, when you visit my website, you can receive my free 13-minute step-by-step video guide on how to use the SMART method to achieve your goals. Connect and follow Jenna Renee Shellman and Leading With Your Gut on all social media platforms. If you're an Apple Podcast listener, please rate and write a review of Leading With Your Gut when the episode is over. I want to give a special shout out to Shaw Wild, spelled C-H-A space W-I-L-D-E. She is the musician who wrote and produced the intro and outro song delivered to Earth on a Rainbow. You can find Shaw Wild's music on iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud. All right, let's get started. Stay tuned for an interactive and creative lineup of powerful stories on Leading With Your Gut. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. This is part two with stand-up comedian, impressionist, writer, and podcast host, J.L. Covan. If you haven't done so, please listen to part one where JL shares his background and struggles of being a comedian for 16 years. After the show, go buy JL's new album, Fireside Craps the Deuce, rated number one on iTunes. I purchased it and I vow that you won't be disappointed. Links to JL's social media accounts and podcast shows are in the notes. I hope you enjoyed part one and now part two. This is JL Covan. Before you put that video out, you've been doing Trump impersonations for a few years. Did you yeah. think to yourself, okay, this is pretty funny. Like people are going to like this. Or were you like, ah, oh, it's just something I'm just going to put out. I'll get a few people that like it. No big deal. No, it's the latter. Because I thought I had done a couple of these. I'd probably done like four of these selfie videos. I was like, I'm stuck at home. I'm yeah. working. Ah, oh, but I do the voice well. So F it. And the first one I did, which is like lost to history, got like 17,000 views on Twitter. 
And for me, I was like, whoa, that's killer. I picked up like 60 followers and I was like, that's awesome. I was genuinely content with that. I was like, oh, good. A few more people see my stuff. That's nice. I did a few more, which got like, you know, 5,000, 8,000. I was like, all right, this is kind of a fun way. Like, you know, I put out a couple a week and that's it. Takes no effort. And then my friend texted me. I was going out to walk my dog. I hope this story one day becomes famous because it'll mean that I became famous. It's not the fame I want. It's the success and the reach of fame that I want. I don't care if nobody knows who I am, but to get to where I want to get, fame would be a part of that. But it's more about having a nice place to live and security and knowing that my material is being heard and seen, not like, hey, that person in the restaurant recognized me. That doesn't matter. But a friend of mine texted me right before I was going to walk my dog and said, I can't believe this guy said he wants to open the country by Easter. That's insane. And I just said, I guess this is another follow your gut moment. It seems like a non big one, but I was like, hmm, that seems like something that could be funny. I wasn't like, this is going to blow up. I was like, this might be like the first video I put out, you know, maybe this will get 17,000 hits because it's a little timely. He just tweeted it out. So I said to my girlfriend and my dog, I said, wait right here. I'll be back in a couple of minutes. Went into the other bedroom, just took out the cell phone and just one take. Coincidentally, I had a flannel shirt on and I put the MAGA hat on that I bought for like sketches. I think the flannel shirt helped inadvertently because it made to people who didn't listen to the video, who shared it, calling me an idiot. I think it just gave me like they thought I was real, like I was a real diehard Mac. So like 15% of the shares were like progressives who weren't watching the video who were just like, look at this idiot. So they probably helped propel it as well. And I just wrote something inflammatory, which was like, God only brought one person back on Easter. (laughs) Donald Trump's going to bring back the whole economy on Easter. And I did this thing where I, as Trump said, like, I'm challenging God to a pay-per-view matchup on Easter Sunday, who brings back more people. And it blew up. Like it sort of exploded. And I couldn't believe it because that day I was like, ooh, Roy Wood Jr. of Comedy Central retweeted. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. He has like a big reach. Cool. This is going to be the biggest one yet. But the next day, I've got like Richard Marks, the 80s singer, and Ken Olin, a producer of This Is Us, and other celebrities, like, and with people with big social media reaches going, this guy's amazing. Ken Olin wrote A Star Is Born, and it hit a million. And now I had the respect of my 13-year-old nephew, who saw his uncle as obviously some sort of big social media star, and it kept going up from there. And it was maybe my comedic instinct, maybe it was my comedic gut that just said, I think that I could make this funny. And it took two minutes before I went and I walked my dog. I left the phone at home and it started to pick up views, but nothing that startled me or shocked me. And then everybody sort of know everybody, quote unquote, knows who I am now and knows at least some of my skill set. And a lot of people now know more of it. It's crazy. I just sort of said, that would be funny. I could do something funny with this, but not like I never thought this was it. And maybe that's been my whole thing. My gut has been do what's funny. Don't try to be this or that. Just you've been in this for 16. It'll be 17 years in June. You've been doing this to be funny and you've stayed committed to sort of whatever your comedian ethics are and how you approach it. And that was just another extension of that. There was no, ooh, I think this is going to be buzzworthy. Of course, I thought it might be timely, but I thought, yeah, so like more people will share it. But I just thought, and that's it. It'll stop at like 20,000 and that's it. And that'll be a good little post. Yeah, Um, that was not it. I mean, I remember watching your video. I think it was probably the first night that you put it out. And I was like, who is this guy? He's so funny. And everyone was texting me. 
have you seen this? Have you seen this? Have you seen this? Right. And it literally, you just like blew up overnight. Like kind of what you were saying when we talked a couple weeks ago, it's like your whole, all of 16 years has been packed into like this one month. Yeah, exactly. If I'm being honest, this is sort of where I thought I'd be at this point. Assuming clubs open up, I would like to think that I'll be doing theaters and getting the opportunity to headline, especially headlining is not the problem. I could have headlined six or seven years ago. I was ready. But now it's a matter of saying, and now I have reach. Now I have audience. So you can be assured that I'm going to impress with my skills and you don't have to worry that your club's going to be empty yes. when I show up. Yeah. But that's where I thought I'd be at this point. But I thought there would have been a gradual growth to this point. My material has gradually grown, but instead it was, you're nobody, you're nobody, you think you want to quit comedy, you take a full-time job, and now, boom, just like that, you're sort of where you want to be. Yeah. yeah. I know last time too, we talked a little about, I'm obsessed with Bene Brown. I think she's amazing. Yeah. And she talks a lot about courage and vulnerability. And she talks about us being in the arena. If we're in an arena or on stage and you know you have all these people watching you and then you know here's what I want to start to do to, okay, I'm standing up and I won, but no one really talks about the middle, which you talked about. It's your right. face planted. I think she calls it face planted in the mud, like the shit storm, the failure, the going back and forth between different jobs. And then all of a sudden, you know, we stand up and we did it. And, you know, like I said, it just seems like in the last month or so, all of the timing, the universe or whatever is out there kind of timed this perfectly, not for you to have a great platform for your comedy, but a great platform to talk about politics and other shit that matters, right? And being an advocate for anti-Trump. Yeah, it's very funny to have so many people who are pro-Trump liking the impression and I'm being sort of offended when I'm like, oh, by the way, he is a monster. You know that, right? Like, I hope my impression is not giving you permission that we're all in this together and we're all having a good time. Right. And then people are like, a lot of people, oh, you just lost half your audience. And I'm like, my Twitter numbers have not stopped going up. And I refused to do, refused sounds a little, I turned down appearances on some right, like I look up radio shows that ask me to come on because I want to make sure I'm not just sure. going. And then I look, I'm like, well, you had Ann Coulter on and you had like someone and I'm like, I'm not going on. Sorry. And Sean Spicer, I may have told you this, maybe not, but Sean Spicer wanted me on Newsmax, his show, which is like a budget Fox News. And I went to college with his brother. His brother's a really nice guy. And I just thought, well, I'm not going to go on there. Like a friend of mine had said, you should go on and like totally own him. And I was like, I know his brother. His brother's a nice guy. So I'm not going to go there and be like, you're a fucking disgrace, bro. You suck. Ha ha ha. I was just like, no, I'm just not going to go on. But I don't want to give permission to his audience to like enjoy. It's one thing. I'm not telling somebody not to watch my videos or listen to my standup. And ironically, I'm sure plenty of MAGA people would love my standup. There's a lot of irreverence and it's really good. And it's almost entirely apolitical. Yeah. But the Trump impression is not apolitical. I know it's a good impression. Some might even say great, but it's not apolitical. Just because you're wowed by the fact that it's good, the content, the satire is satire because he's so bad. He's such a bad person. Mm -hmm. That's why it works. And you sort of think, isn't that funny? This isn't George Bush misspeaking that we're all making fun of. I'm mocking the fact that he's a sexually assaulting racist, that he's incompetent, that he's a bad human being. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm mocking. So like there isn't some like, hey, we can all agree. Apparently we can't because if you're voting for the man, we don't actually agree. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? So it's like I'm not looking to be my Twitter feed is the same as it always was, except I'm promoting a few more things because now it's like, hey, those albums that sold 105 copies, 
it'd be great if they sold 500 copies now that I have so many people listening. But my Twitter feed has always been like 80% jokes, 20% serious commentary. So it's like, it's the same thing. It's just more people are watching. I haven't actively tried to adjust how I present. It's, you know, people are just seeing who I've always been. And right. so. well, like you said, you're on a bigger platform now. Yeah. But question for you. You do the Trump impression so well. And in a few minutes, I am, if you're okay with it, I'm going to ask a couple questions for you. I have a couple questions for your Trump. I, I am okay with that. When you are in the Trump persona, and like I said, you do it so well to the point where if I close my eyes, right. I cannot tell the difference between right. if it's you or Trump, because you actually do say the things that come out of his mouth. Or you say the things that he would say, right? Like all the right. Jeff Epstein jokes. Like I'm like, that is exactly what Trump, Trump would say. <laughs> After you are done being Trump, like, do you feel like shit? Are you like, oh, am I a narcissist? Am I a sociopath? Like, do you feel like, oh, like just gross? Sometimes I joke about that, but I think I'm able to keep it like, you know, a character. It feels like a role I've been playing on a show for four years. Yeah. That people are now like, you know, this is the equivalent of it went to Netflix and everybody's watching it now. But no, because I'm always cognizant of the fact that he's terrible. Like I don't feel okay. leaving terrible. I never let myself. This isn't Heath Ledger in The Dark Knight where I'm taking myself into like dark places to do this. I just go, it's easy. I got the voice. I know what he says. Let's do it. Yeah, I guess I've worked at it. I might feel like a piece of shit for half a dozen other reasons, but not because <laughs> of the Trump impression. Got it. Got it. Okay. I had to ask just because I love everything you're doing. And one of the reasons why I admire what you're doing is because one of my biggest fears right now is Trump, right? Not just the mm -hmm. fact that he's our president and, you know, leader of the world, but that he's the one in charge of this pandemic. And it's an absolute nightmare. And so yeah. by hearing your comedy, and I'm sure a lot of other people can resonate by hearing your comedy and hearing your parody of Trump, it makes us, I mean, it's hilarious. It makes us laugh. Right. It's hilarious. But yeah, there's a part of me that's like, does he feel like shit after this? Like what I hope the impression does, even though obviously, like I always say, my first goal is I want people laughing. I'm all about respecting the presidency. If the president respects the presidency yeah. and he does not. Every other president, George Bush, W. Bush respected the presidency. You don't have to think he was a good president, but he clearly respected the office and the power that came with it. You know what I mean? Like they all, I've never had somebody in my lifetime where I thought this guy does not respect except Trump. So I don't feel when people go, hey man, like they'll say the thing where they go, I didn't agree with Obama, but I respected the office, man. And I'm like, well, you should, because he was a very respectful, respectable person. Trump is not. Just because you didn't like Obama for any number of superficial or legitimate reasons, you don't get to then expect reciprocal respect for your piece of shit guy. Yes, you respected Obama. He's a dignified, respectful person. So it's not like you get credit for like, hey, when Obama walked in there all black and stuff, I was okay with it, even if I didn't like it. What do you want for that? Trump is atrocious. He's incompetent. He's a bad man. I'm not going to speak for his soul, but anything below that, I can pretty much make an assessment of. I don't have to respect that because, I mean, you don't have to anyway. It's a free country. But in terms of being a respectful citizen, this man has no respect for the office or the power of the office. He's an abuser of the office. He's an abuser of women. He's a bigot. He's the worst. 
And it's like, he takes it I want joke. people. Yeah. Not that this is my goal, but if my comedy could ever be seen, I like the fact that Sean Spicer, his former press secretary, loved the impression that I think tells you what lurks beneath a lot of these people's veneer of Donald Trump is the greatest. They all know he's a joke, which is even more cynical and calculating. We could all be done with him. I don't care if 40% of the country thinks he's Jesus Christ. Most of the Senate thinks he's a joke. And it's a total cynical calculation. And that's even grosser than his supporters who are maybe stupid or ignorant, some of them. But the senators, they're not. They're doing this. They know what he is and they let it happen. And if I can make him look like a joke and an embarrassment, like I think that's important at this point. Has he reached out to you on Twitter? Has he said anything to you? No, my career would be set if he just called me a failed comedian. Right. right. And he's got to know that would if he's ever seen any of these videos, he would have to know that's the best thing that could happen for me. So he knows not to do that. You know that he's seen them, though. He's had to have seen them. I hope so. You know that. Yeah, you know <laughs> that people have said it to him. You know that he's seen it. He's seen it. Well, I have a couple questions for Trump, if you don't mind. I have a lot of questions, but if I can narrow it down to like two right now. Oh, I'm sure. I'll, if you I'll can grab his spirit and answer the No, I'll, I'll leave the room and the Donald will come back in. Okay. Okay. So I was thinking about this last night and I'm just going to start Mr. Trump. I guess that's what I would call him if I ever met him. Mr. Trump. Okay. Mr. President Trump, we'd go with like the two, you know, that's they sort of go with the two official titles, but okay. Okay. Mr. President, your remarks about injecting disinfectants like Lysol were really alarming and pretty scary. I'm just curious, how did you come up with this idea, you know, to maybe inject a lethal disinfectant to cure a virus? How'd you come up with that? Well, there were two things. Okay, the fake news is obviously reporting kind of, they misheard or they did like one of these, you heard this, the deep fake when they make the videos that sort of look. I think this was a deep fake because I know for a fact, and I think you know this as well. I didn't say disinfectant, never said Lysol. I was talking about the season finale of Better Call Saul, which is like a pretty strong show. <laughs> on AMC. And he lies a lot. So I said, Lysol, because he's always lying. He's not a truth teller. Okay. Not like me. And disinfectant was me asking my assistant, okay, for a diet Fresca, which is a soda. You look pretty young. So I don't know if you know Fresca, but it was a soda. It was a strong soda. You know, in the eighties, it was like a very popular. So like me, it was very popular. I'm still popular, but in the eighties, Fresca was almost as popular as me. So it's a tasty kind of diet soda. So I said, Diet Fresca. People said, oh, disinfectant. And I said, no, you want to put Diet Fresca in you because it's a tasty beverage. And Saul Goodman on the Better Call Saul show is a liar. So I think everybody's making a bit. I know that we have to trust the doctors, okay? The doctors, they are the medical people. They are strong medical people. And they have the great kind of knowledge on these all these issues. They're called experts. And that's what I want. I'm kind of an expert too, but we need sort of strong expertise. So no, I wasn't saying, and that's fake news. And probably we're looking into it if it's a deep fake. Mr. President, but Lysol came out and had to put a, you know, a notice out saying, telling their customers, please do not inject this. Everyone took this message as, you know, you were suggesting that we should inject this to prevent or cure this virus. So what you're saying doesn't really make any sense. Well, obviously, I think, you know, that's a nasty question. You know that what I just said is that I'm not blaming one of our great companies, okay? The Lysol people, they saw the same deep fake, okay? They saw the same fake news. So they weren't there. They weren't at the press conference. I can be a little mad at them for not trusting their president, but they saw what you saw. They saw the fake news. They saw the doctored 
not like Fauci, like he's a medical doctor, but they doctor. There's another meaning. You know, when people say doctored something, they don't mean like medical things do it. They mean made it up. They changed it. So they made this fake doctored video. And then Lysol sees it and they do what's responsible. Like if I had said those things, Lysol would be correct. So Lysol thinks I said those things. So I'm not mad at them. They can put out their statement, but the statement was based on the fake news. Okay. One more question for you, Mr. President, if you don't mind. A lot of people in small businesses are saying that their stimulus checks aren't enough to keep them going. What is your plan or what's your envision to help the American people have enough money during this time of crisis? Well, small businesses are so important to us. We care so much about the small businesses. They're great businesses. We love all of our small businesses, even if they're like very small. Okay. So you can be like a big small business or like a very small, I don't know if you know this, some businesses can have like one or two employees and that's still a small business. So we care greatly about what they're doing. Okay. But I think we're looking into it. We're having terrific people, tremendous people looking into getting these great businesses what they need because that's what we've got to do. I think we have a very strong meeting soon and we're going to, believe me, I don't want to tell you yet what we're doing because, you know, you might be fake news, but we're doing tremendous work and soon we're going to have a very strong plan very soon and then you'll see. (laughs) Thank you. That was so funny. (laughs) Yeah. You know what? I do feel like a scumbag now. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry if I bled that in your head. No, You're no, like, fuck, no. I can't do this. Anymore. Triggered. <laughs> JL was found unconscious underneath his bed. Apparently somebody asked him to do too much Trump and it took over his soul. I did want to make a horror movie sketch and I may do this for like Halloween where a comedian plays Trump too often. Yeah. And then it starts to like infect his like regular life. So Perfect. he starts like, grabbing his girlfriend at inappropriate times and like lying all the time and just turn it into like a horror movie. You should get Jordan Peele to help you out with that. Yeah. Get out kind of basis. If I ever got on a sketch, like I wish I was on SNL because I would be like, here is the one sketch. You can pay me half for the first year. Just make this sketch. And you make it like a digital short that they have where it's like a comedian keeps impersonating Trump. And then next thing you know, he's becoming Trump. (laughs) I love it. Couple questions for you. One, what is next for you? You have your album coming out, right? On the first? Yes. Okay. So I guess it will be out by the time this airs. Okay. Yes. Uh, But Fireside Craps, The Deuce. To sum it up, it's basically a fake in real time recap by Trump of his presidency while on the toilet because FDR had fireside chats where he would do radio shows for the nation. This is Trump wanting to do that, but basically just to, to multitask. Whenever he goes to the bathroom during an important event, he just gives like a three or four minute real time summary. So it starts with Charlottesville and it ends right before COVID. We actually had a COVID track and I thought as funny as this is, if this goes south, which is certainly possible with him in the lead, it will look in very poor taste. There's plenty of poor taste comedy, but in Trump's voice, but this just felt like too much. And so it's a really fantastic album. I know I'm biased, but that'll be available on iTunes, uh, Pandora, and Amazon, like Amazon Digital. So if people liked what they, the sample they heard of the voice, that's where they can go get it. Cool. Okay. And then what else? Are you planning on touring once coronavirus is lifted? What else is going on? You're going to write a movie Um, with Jordan Peele. That's right. Get Trump. I would love to tour. I would love because I think I may have said this to you a couple of weeks ago, but I don't know how close I am to my goals. I want to be a headliner. I want to be a touring comedian. I want all my income and my working life to be dedicated to comedy and comedy pursuits. 
I don't know how close I am, but I know I've never been closer, but I don't actually, there's no gauge because the album will be the first gauge where I go, how much money is all this enthusiasm actually generating? It's not for me about the money of the album, unless it sells a million copies, but we both know that's not happening. But it's about, has this translated not into just followers who like my stuff, but are there enough committed people who want to pay money for some of my product? So that's the first test is this album because there are no clubs for me to go work. So I don't know how many clubs would book me. I don't know if I would have an agent or manager right now if things were open and people wanted to get me in front of people. But I would love to do that. That is as soon as this is open, I would love to do that. As far as this month after the album, I am recording a special from my apartment and it's going to be called Covan 41 because my name is close to COVID and I turned 41 last week. Happy birthday. Thank you. And it's going to be one of those things where 12 or 15 minutes of pre-existing material, new material, like material that's never been on any of my albums, but pre-exists this quarantine woven into basically a half hour to 35 minutes of material that I've been on like a writing storm because this has been such a Once again, comedy being my way to deal with, I guess, anything that's overwhelming. And I didn't expect fame or success to overwhelm me into a writing binge. But talking about all the different things that have happened from this, and I've been able to workshop it during some Zoom shows that I've had. So I know the material is working, even though most people want to hear me talk like Trump for a half hour. They are laughing at the half hour of material, most of which is from the last month. So... I want to put that out there. And that's the next test because I don't expect it to get a million views. First of all, it would be a 45 minute kind of special. But if it can get more views than any stand up I've ever done, any stand up clip or video, like if I can get 50,000 views, that will be a new test that will say, okay, I knew I wouldn't have a million fans because they all love the Trump. But the fact is, if I had 500 fans two months ago, And now I have 40,000 or 60,000 people willing to watch my act where there will be no Trump voice. Trump will only do the narrator intro voice for the special. And then there will be no Trump impression. That's a test because I need to pivot people to my broader repertoire. Mm -hmm. And if they're stand-up fans, I think they'll enjoy it. But I am fully aware that it's not going to be the same amount of people by a long shot. But if it's significantly more than I had before, then good gain has been made. So I can't predict anything beyond that. But I have, you know, my podcast as Trump making podcasts great again. And I'm starting, it will already be out when you put this episode up. But I guess this is just for you. Tomorrow, Tuesday, the 28th, which will then end for the next five Tuesdays, a literacy series with Trump where he reads a children's book. Is he talking Michelle Obama? Well, that's the point is that (laughs) what I referenced in the first episode is that Michelle Obama, who, as you know, is like the first lady of Kenya. So she's not even American. Her books are like not as good as mine. So I thought I can read more strongly than she can. And I'm the president. So now we have Tuesdays with Trump or Trump Tuesdays. See you next Tuesday, Mr. Trump. Well, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) But the books are Goodnight Moon, Green Eggs and Ham, Where the Wild Things Are, The Lorax and Stormy Daniels' autobiography. (laughs) (laughs) That'll be so funny. Okay, so that's on Tuesday. That'll be Goodnight Moon's the first one. They get increasingly difficult, which Trump points out. By the time he gets to the Lorax, he's like, this has a lot more words than the other books. Okay, so we're moving up. (laughs) 
And as you can imagine, where the wild things are, he turns into a sort of a racist critique of Chicago. The Lorax is like a pro-business, anti-environmental thing he goes on. Goodnight Moon, the spoiler, if I can, it'll already be up. But he's angry that when he reaches the end of it, no one's mentioned Space Force. <laughs> so, you know, it's that kind of, that's the tone of it. And he struggles with some of the reading in some of the later books, like slurring and doing his monotone, like droning of like, and then they said goodnight, room. They said goodnight to the moon. They said to the cows over there. Well, there are cows. Those are cows right there. It's more to showcase what he sounds like when he's reading his prepared remarks. Because like, when I'm doing the ad lib stuff, that's not his read. I want to kind of show that I have all aspects of the man covered, not just his reporter banter. So I'm sorry, that's a lot of stuff to ramble about. But, you know, since there are no gigs, May is a very big month for me. I have a lot of stuff that I'm putting out, both Trump related and non Trump. So I hope to just keep the momentum going and get fans who aren't just Trump impression fans. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're on a roll here. I think the universe has really got your back and you're about exponential growth, I guess, right? Not gradual <laughs> growth in this one. Yeah. And I keep saying I've been very stressed and I've told my girlfriend that I'm very stressed and she feels it because I'm going, I know that I have some success, some temporary success. Like I've made a lot of money from different things this month, but that's like, great. That's a cool month. I'm in this for career now. The goal has always been career. And that's what stresses me because I cannot gauge whether I'm there. Like I'm still blind as to whether exactly like I know I'm having a great month and I'll probably have a good May as well. But my whole thing is, what am I doing October 2021? What is my career? Where am I? Am I writing for somebody? Am I headlining a club? Am I in an office just doing some shows still? Am I back to sort of where I was, maybe making a little more money? I have no idea. And that's the stress because that's my next thing. And I, to, a joke that I will be in the special, I guess, but I can spoil it. One of the things I was going to say, when you say I'm on a roll and the universe is rolling, I found that an ex of mine had COVID. Oh, now it <laughs> wasn't the ex, right. It wasn't the ex from that I referenced before, but it was an ex that let's just say it's the other ex that did me wrong. I'm usually the one at fault. <laughs> Was this in a the breakup? one that brought you the Catholic priest? Or is this one? No, 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 no. That's a good ex. We were both sort of at fault. And it was a college romance that just sort of ended. Okay. Most of them probably have hard feelings towards me. There's only two that I look back and go, but she's okay. So I feel comfortable making jokes about that. Yeah. But it is one of those things where I go, not only did I get a career, as if that wasn't good enough, but now like my enemies are being vanquished by this thing. I feel like Thanos in the Avengers. You know, I snapped my fingers and then like, that was it. I ruled the world for a month. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's hope your momentum goes for longer than a month. I, yeah, I, 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 hope think, so. I think it will. You have the platform, you have the engagement, right? No one's doing anything. They're online all day long and they're watching your content and they're sharing with people and you're talented. And now you have a product, you have past products, now you have an upcoming product. And now you have the story, the Trump stories tomorrow. So try not to think about October 2021. Try to think about May 2020. I agree with you, but part of me can't help it because now it's that anxiety of like, it's not just, oh my God, I did this and that's so cool. The immediate things never stress me. Like when I did TV, it didn't stress me. I was like, boom, I did the set. It went great. What stresses me is like the unknown and you're like, it's frustrating because it's like, I want to be able to capitalize in the way I want to not just say, okay, things are going good. Just biding my time till we can get out there. And then I'm going to really go for it because you fear losing this momentum. Yeah. And I want to get out there and go to clubs. And I have much more confidence in my club sort of work than I do in like that video blowing up. 
I mean, I knew the impression was good, but you know, I'm much more confident that if you get me in front of a room of 500 people, I will have 450 new fans and 50 people who hate me. But that's a good ratio. <laughs> but you have to have people that hate you. You have to have trolls. I'm pretty sure Cardi B said that in some award show that she accepted. She said something about, I don't know why I'm referencing Cardi B, but she talks a lot about her haters. And she said, if you know that you're doing something great, if you have people that hate you. Right. Cat Williams, the comedian Cat Williams, I think that he had also espoused that in one of his early specials. Maybe she had gotten it from him. But it's also, I think, comedy, the way I do it. I'm not looking to be Jay Leno. Not that you can be whatever kind of comic you want, but I'm somebody who has a perspective and a little bit of an edge. And if that's not bothering somebody, and like I said, I don't go out there to bother anybody, but a lot of the stuff I say, it'd be odd if a few people didn't dislike me or didn't find me funny, Mm -hmm. you know, but I want the 80% or the 90% who laugh, I want them laughing very hard or even better if it's only 60%, but they're laughing so hard that they're drowning out the 40%. Then, you know, you have committed diehard fans versus like, that was pleasant. Just like 20 other comics we've seen. Yeah. You know, so. Well, I'm super excited for you. What advice do you you. have for people who are comedians and they're like, they just started their 16 year stretch? What advice do you have for them? Oh, man. Quit. (laughs) Yeah. My advice would be while you're young and have the energy, if you're like a newcomer, harness that energy because you may not have it. You probably won't have it. It's like any long relationship. Not to be too simple, but if you're in a long marriage, it's not most of the time. It can't be like when you were three months in, you know, but other things replace that. And I'm going to sound like some sort of, uh, you know, couples counselor, I guess. The volume should stay, you know, trust, respect, love, passion. If that's sort of what makes up a relationship, the, the mix might be different at different times in the relationship, but you always want it to be full. Maybe more love and respect takes some of the passion points. You you need some of it still. You can't go to zero on any of those things or else the whole thing collapses. But I'm actually making this up. If this sounds at all good, maybe tell me. But comedy is the same way. It's all passion the first few years. You're like, you get one laugh. You're like, my God, I'm going to do this the rest of my life. And that will go away. Mm -hmm. And if you hit roadblocks like I did, you won't get things to replace it. Like in other words, oh, well, you know what? I now have financial stability, so it doesn't feel as awesome and passionate anymore, but I'm paying my bills and now I'm a homeowner. That, the problem with comedy is that doesn't happen necessarily. You might just be like, I don't like this as much and there don't seem to be additional benefits replacing what was lost. And it's up to you, you know, to lead with your gut. And if your gut tells you, to quit, maybe that's what you should do. Like, in other words, once again, apparently you can't get me to give anything shorter than a 45 minute answer. But I was really averse to quitting things. In high school, I had quit my basketball team as a sophomore, because I thought I should be on varsity. I was on JV and I didn't get along with the coach. And then they cut me my junior year from varsity, even though I would have started on varsity, they basically spite cut me. And I think the lesson I learned from that was don't quit. I was unhappy playing college basketball for part of that and I didn't quit. And I've been unhappy with comedy and I didn't quit. And you could say, well, look, you didn't quit and now you're succeeding. But I almost quit. That's the thing. I sort of half quit, if that makes sense, by prioritizing other things. Mm -hmm. And I think people should only, oh God, this is so rambling, but my advice would be 
go to where you're comfortable. And I don't mean like if things get hard, quit. It's not things you want can be hard. Mm -hmm. But if it's not making you happy, like if you don't feel that connection to your purpose, like, well, I want to do this and it's worth the sacrifice. If you're just going, well, sometimes life sucks. I guess my life has to suck because that's what happens before you make it. That can't be it. You've still got to find something in there that drives you. And for me, I had enough to keep going, but not enough to keep making it my priority. And if it was luck, and I think luck had a lot to do with it, or it was the universe realigning saying, yes, you finally have prioritized the right things in your life. Now here is some success. That's what I did. So I didn't quit. It's hard to make that into like a concise nugget. But my lesson is like, sometimes you can quit or sometimes you can reprioritize. You've got to be doing things for the right reasons. And if it's what you really want, then you're not going to feel the heavy burden. Mm -hmm. I was starting to feel a heavy burden and I changed my life. I moved out of New York City. I got a bigger place. I got a regular job because I just felt like I couldn't keep grinding the way I was. But I kept doing it, but not in sort of a banging my head against the wall way. And I think sometimes we can bang our heads against the wall and be like, it's got to be tough. You have to fight. You have to do this. And it can really grind you. And when it's unnecessary, it can beat you down. Sometimes you're beating yourself down. And I think part of this was me beating myself down. It's already tough enough out there. Right. And a lot of people think that you have to suffer to find joy and you have to suffer to be successful. But you're right. You don't. We should not be doing that. Right. You wouldn't obviously be talking to me if I hadn't had this stroke of luck. No offense. It's okay. Nobody would be. (laughs) But at the same time, if you had talked to me a year ago, I probably would have been very funny and very cynical and been like, I don't think people should even get into comedy at this point. That's probably what I would have said. And now I'm saying you still probably shouldn't get into comedy. But if you do (laughs) try to approach it the way I approached it early and late. Maybe you can skip a lot of the personal torment of like, oh, I, let me bear this cross because it shows that I'm making progress and that I'm like fighting the good fight. Sometimes you don't have to do that. You, we think we do. And it ends up just making you unhappy. That's really good advice. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it only took me 48 minutes to spit that answer out. That was uh, two sentences. <laughs> but this is why I like Righteous Prick, because you ramble a little bit, but I like it. You're sure. just like speaking from the heart. That's authentic. So I like it. My listeners will like it. Yeah. And it's one of those things. I mean, especially when I was on the road a lot, my blog and my, which I haven't updated in a while, which I want to get back to in May. That's one of my little resolutions, start writing again. Because that used to be where people really saw a lot of my stuff in the comedy world was through my writing. And because I would talk about what it's like being sort of a no-name middle act and trying to get to that. And it was very honest. It probably cost me some gigs. I know for a fact it did, but I always felt like because I am a good communicator and I'm very honest because comics like to be honest about everybody else's problems, but then they act like everybody else. Like you shouldn't do that. You should speak your mind. Yeah. But when a club owner tells you what they want, you get in line. You're another corporate person just wearing a t-shirt instead of a suit. When it's your business, everybody else you want to tell, be a rebel. Look at me. I speak my mind. No, you don't. When it costs you, very few comics speak their mind. and people found it kind of the blog to be sort of an insider view that you really don't get and a perspective you don't get like the middle act, like up and coming comics, they're usually too busy trying to become stars or kissing ass. And when I would talk comedy, it was just a very honest insider look. 
at what it's really like to sort of try to move up in this business. And obviously, I talk other things too, but I don't know. I feel like maybe I've been rewarded for approaching things in an honest way. If it's not total luck, I think at least whatever my definition of integrity and honesty is in terms of how to approach this, that's what I've done. I'm glad to have made it this far and having not sold out an inch. Yeah, yeah. I think good things are coming your way. I don't think this is going to be a, you know, 15 minute of fame for you. I hope not. I think, you know, SNL, Netflix, you know, your new movie you're writing. (laughs) I think it's all going to be good. And I think this is your pivotal moment. So looking back, you're going to have to think Trump and you're going to have to think COVID, right? Right. And that's when you talk about leading with your gut, I sometimes think if it took the worst president in American history and a global health and economic shutdown for me to make it, was I supposed to ever actually make it? (laughs) That's a pretty steep global price to pay. Right, right. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. This has been such a great conversation. Yeah, thank you for listening to me, basically. What do I owe you, therapist? (laughs) (laughs) That would be, (laughs) no. All the proceeds that you're going to make for uh, your upcoming album. This has been great. Thank you so much for making us laugh. And for, you know, distracting us from the monster that is running our country and this virus that's, you know, unfortunately killing a lot of people. We've definitely, me speaking from me, my friends and people that I know that watch you, we're very grateful of you. And I know you're going to kick ass after this. So thanks so much. Well, thank you very much. This was a great pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Leading With Your Gut. Music by Shaw Wild. You can find Shaw's music on iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, please email me at leadingwithyourgut at gmail.com. Thank you and happy listening.